Let's pray before we begin. Dear God, we thank you so much for the blessing of this day, this day we've never seen before, this day that was not promised to us. We thank you for the privilege and opportunity that this day gives us to give praise to your name. God, I pray that your spirit is felt here in Lover's Lane, the community that surrounds it, and for all of the people that are impacted by the ministry that it shares. So thankful to be here on this kickoff Sunday, this block party Sunday, and I just pray that your spirit continues in this church as they continue on the journey of faith. It's in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen. And so I'd like to invite you, if you would, to focus with me for just a few moments as we focus on this theme in relation to the scripture this morning. Your best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. Can you say that with me? Your best is yet to come. Would you just indulge me and look at someone on the right and tell them, your best is yet to come. And look at somebody else. And you online too, don't, we're not leaving you out. Your best is yet to come. And I want to hear that too. Amen. Prayerfully, our best is yet to come. So when I started working on this message for you, I thought of a time in my own life. I graduated from South Oak Cliff High School in 1987, and I spent my first two years at El Centro Junior College in downtown Dallas. And that summer, the fall coming up to that summer, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw this logo. And it was as if God was telling me that it was in my destiny to go to Texas A&M. And so I applied and I was accepted. And so beginning my junior year, I moved to College Station. And I was doing really well when I first got there. Made a couple of A's. First few weeks of class were going really good. And then I got sick. So sick. Are there Aggies in the room this morning? Oh, we got a few of them in here. Uh, so the, 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 the hospital there at school is called Quack Shacks. Not my name for it. That's the name they have for it. And so I ended up spending a couple of days in the Quack Shack. And I had to keep going back because I was not getting better. And I was not going to my classes. And then midterms came. But I had not been able to keep up in my classes. But it was as if I heard the voice of God saying, Etlin, I want you to step into those midterms and you're gonna, there's going to be a miracle. The miracle didn't come. I did my best. I think I made a 30 on one, 30-something on one test. I made a 20-something on another one. I made, a 10, I made in the teens on one. I was basically guessing at that point because I was staying in my room. I was depressed. I spent the rest of the semester kind of living on, I lived on the north side of campus, right across from the Dixie Chicken, if you've been to a college station before. Uh, and I just spent, I spent my time in my room and I came back home defeated with my tail between my legs. And my dad had a, after he said hello, it was almost as fast the words came out of his mouth. He looked at me and he said, Edlin, you got a decision to make. You can get a job 
You can go to the military. You can go back to school. But you cannot stay here. You cannot stay here. Those were, those were the most empowering, in a sense, those are the most empowering words of my life. And when I look back, the way I hear those words now, this is, that wasn't the spirit that it was said in, but when I look back, the spirit that it was said in was, Etlin, there's more for you. There's something on the other side of this failure. Your best is yet to come. And I followed those words. I ended up at UTD, and then I ended up at SMU, Perkins School of Theology. And all these years later, here I am standing in front of you today. What does that have to do with our scripture this morning? This morning, we see the Israelites. They've been in exile in Babylon for so many years. They're about to be set free. And the prophet Haggai is giving them a word. He's telling them, the exile has come. You've been depressed. You've been defeated. Maybe you feel like you've lost. But Haggai gave them a word. I love verse 9. It reads, The latter splendor of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. What Haggai was telling the people as they were getting ready to go back home on the other side of exile, your best is yet to come. And I got to tell you, that's a word that many of us need to hear. To our country, to our society, to our world, our best is yet to come. For the church, our best is yet to come. Are you a divorced person this morning? Are you a single person this morning? I know Fred and Dottie have been married 60 years. But still, your best is yet to come too. Why? because we get that assurance from God again and again. And that was the assurance the Israelites were getting from Haggai in the text for the morning. Here we are, 20 years later, after 9-11, a generation has passed. God has still continued to do great things in this world. We watched yesterday morning, names were read, songs were sang, remembering that day. That night, 20 years ago, in this church, as your pastor, your, 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 pastor, your, your alpha program started right here. Your contemporary service that he just got back from singing happy birthday with, 20 years started here. Sometimes the best thing I think we can hear is the best is yet to come. And so I just want to share some reflections with you. Uh, again, I'm taking what Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. And so listen, again, the, it reads, The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. 
Did y'all watch that Cowboys game on Thursday? We know that the NFL is kicking off today. Did you know that they're teaching running backs and wide receivers and tight ends a different way to catch the ball? When I was playing football, we, catch, we, we did it by what I call a cradle catch. And so the quarterback would throw the ball, and you want to have your hands right here, and ideally the ball would hit right here. You'd pull it into your chest and go where you need it to go. But receivers aren't being taught to cradle catch anymore. They're being taught to reach and grab, to catch it with your hands. Some coaches call it to high point the ball, to go get it at its highest moment, but not to wait for it to come in, but to reach up and grab it. So as we talk about the best that is yet to come for our personal lives, the best that is yet to come for our church, the best that is yet to come for our country and our world, this is not time for the cradle catch. This is time for us to reach up and in the name of Jesus, grab the future. In the name of Jesus, to reach out in this community. In the name of Jesus, to reach out like this church has reached out. I got to go through and see the ministry fair today. I'm glad I'm here on block party day. I got to see so many things about your church. Your 12-step program, that's, that's the legacy of this church and all the different ways that you are impacting the community. I want to pat you on the back today for being a congregation that has reached up and grabbed the ball. But as we're coming out of COVID, we're not going to be able to cradle catch as a church. And so my encouragement to you is do what you've been doing. Continue what you've been doing. Reaching up and grabbing that opportunity and not waiting for it to come into your lap. The church on the other side of COVID. All churches, not just United Methodist, we are all trying to figure out what is church life like on the other side of this? And so I want to just encourage you to continue to do ministry with the intentionality that you have done it with so far. Keep it up because your best is yet to come. And again, Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. When it comes to doing something new and different in this time, it takes vision, it takes comprehension, and it takes will. Reminds me of a story of a man, a man who was in a place, in a country that he did not understand. He did not know the language, and actually it was here. He was here in the United States, but he did not speak English as his native tongue. And he wanted to be able to order when he went to a restaurant. And so someone taught him four words, hamburger, french fries, Coke. Can you say that with me? Hamburger, french fries, Coke. And with that, he was all, he had everything he needed. He went to the restaurant, he sat down, the waitress came up, what would you like to order? He didn't know anything else, so he just said hamburger, french fries, 
Coke. And that's what he ordered at every meal for a few days. And after a while, he got tired of eating hamburger, french fries, and Coke for every day, for every meal. And he went back and he said, can you teach me some new words? And he said, yeah, let me teach you some more words. Eggs, toast, juice. Can you say that with me? Eggs, toast, juice. And so he went to the restaurant and he was feeling pretty good about himself because all he had been ordering was hamburger, french fries, and Coke. And so when the waitress came up to him, she said, what would you like? And he said, eggs, toast, juice. And he had a little extra umph on it because I did something new and different. But then he got a challenge because the waitress says, how would you like your eggs prepared? And he got this real frustrated look on his face. And then she said, uh, how would you like your toast? You want wheat toast or white toast or a rye toast or sourdough? He got all the, wait a minute, he got confused again. He said, well, well, what kind of juice would you want? You want apple juice or orange juice, grapefruit juice? And he had this real confused look on his face. And he looked back in the, at the waitress and you know what he said to her? Hamburger, french fries, Coke. Because when the challenge came, <laughs> it, it, it was calling for a little bit more than he had to give. And so what he did was he went back to the safety of the things that he knew rather than to try to step out and do something completely new and different. Well, let me tell you, Lovers Lane Church, right now, it's real easy for us to order hamburger, french fries, and Coke, but on the other side of COVID and where we are right now, it's time to order something new and different. The world today is calling for something new and different from us. And again, I'm here on your fall festival, fall, uh, fall kickoff. I'm here on Block a Party Sunday, and I see all the things that are happening here. I told Stan, every time I come to Lover's Lane, there's something new, built, and different, and happening here. It's an exciting place. But I want to encourage you to continue again to live with that same intentionality that leads you to do creative ministries, that invites new people, that engages young adults and, and, and youth and children, and, our, and, and maintains ministry with our senior adults as well. We're not picking generations here. We want to serve all of God's people. And so I want to encourage you to, to make a different order because we're in a different time. But the, 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 the assurance that we have in this scripture, in this verse, is that our latter days are going to be better than our former days. When this day is over, it is a former day. Last week, it's a former week. But there's a new day in front of us. There's a new week in front of us. There's a new year in front of us. There's new ministry in front of us. There's new people. There's new, so many different ways that we can impact the world. And that's why, like my father and like Haggai, I will say you can't stay here. Your best is yet to come. 
Again, Acts chapter 2, verse 9. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this I will, in, in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. So my wife and I like visiting Canton. You ever been to Canton? First Mondays at Canton? Anybody been to First Mondays in Canton? Yeah, we love going to First Mondays. If you haven't ever been to First Mondays, it's like, it's like a Texas-sized flea market. It is a really big deal. It happens uh, in Canton. It's like uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can spend a whole day there. It is a great experience and a great excursion. I, I, know, how to, I know how to follow whatever my wife tells me to do uh, when we go to Canton. But when we, before we went for the first time, I heard a pastor talk about his experience. When he went to Canton, they had, you know how they had those little 10 by 10 tents? And so they had like all these tents pushed together. And it was kind of like a place for you to stop, to sit down, to order food, and to eat. And so they went, ordered food, sat down, they were enjoying their meal. There were people from all the other different places who had been walking through Canton, they came and ordered their meal and they sat down. And you know how you ever, have you ever been to the mall when someone tries to offer you like a sample on a toothpick? Well, that's what was happening here at Canton. But the pastor noticed something interesting. The person or the people were taking the samples around, but they were offering them the people who were under the tent. If you were under the tent, you had already eaten. And so you were offering food to people who were already full. And the pastor said to himself, wow, it would make a whole lot more sense than staying under the safety of this shade if we would go out into that Texas heat. If they would go out into the, it's much more likely you're going to get people who are hungry to come in here rather than feeding people who are already fed. People who are likely already full. And the, the, the challenge that we have is not only to reach into the heat, but it's to reach into the hearts of people who have never been in a church before. And for some, the connection now, for those who are watching online this morning, there are people who are joining church, who have joined churches in our conference that don't even live in Texas. We have folks who joined one congregation from Chicago at the Village United Methodist Church. And so we have to be multifaceted in all the different ways we want to reach out and do things in the name of God. Why? Because even though we've been through COVID for 18 months, our best is still yet to come. Let's reach out in the heat. Let's reach out for those hearts. Why? Because we want to invite those people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ because we know we know that salvation is not, you know, as Methodists, we know that salvation is a little bit different. We don't see salvation as a fire insurance policy that we get the benefit of when we die. We know that the God that we, the God that, 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 that loves us and the God that we're in relationship with, we have an ongoing relationship. And so when we talk about what it means to be in relationship with God, how that is impactful and transformed. I mean, what, a, what, what better thing could we have to reach out into the heat with and to reach out into the heart with? 
to know that God, by grace, is wanting to welcome and be in relationship with all of us. As I was putting this message together for you, I came across this quote from a commentary, and I want to read it for you. It says, and this is speaking of the Israelites who are just coming out of, uh, out of exile in Babylon, what was lacking was dissatisfaction with things as they were and the consequent drive to initiate action. Resignation killed faith. And so I said this is 8.15 and I'm saying this to you at 11. I pray for the dissatisfaction of your congregation. I pray for the dissatisfaction of your pastor. Why? Because resignation killed faith. And what that means is we need to be involved and we need to be engaged in what is happening. Because God, I believe, wants to work through us to help us reach our full God-given potential. God wants to see our country and our communities reach its full God-given potential. And you and I play a role in helping us fulfill and reach our full God-given potential together. You've done a great job of that here at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. But I want to push you to keep on doing what you've been doing because you're going to impact the lives of new people and more people as you continue to do it well. Last thing I want to share with you. I'm recently kind of reacquainting myself with some Greek mythology. And one of my favorite characters in Greek mythology is I'm doing a little bit of reading is Icarus. And I'm sure if you've heard the story of Icarus, you know that he was with his father named Daedalus. And Daedalus was a very talented inventor and creator of things. And because of something that Daedalus created, he got in trouble. And he was put on the top of a tower with his son, and the intention was that they would spend the rest of their lives there. But Daedalus was a great inventor. And so what he did was he took the wax from candles and the feathers from the birds that would fly and visit them, and he fashioned two sets of wings, one for his son and one for himself. They made the decision that they were going to get off that tower. Daedalus had created them, so he gave Icarus some instructions. He said, Icarus, when we take off, we need to find this place between not being too high and not being too low. we got to find the sweet spot, Icarus. He said, if you go too low, your wings will swell and you will fall into the sea and die. He said, if you fly too high, the wax in your wings will melt and you will fall into the sea and die. And we know that it started off great. Icarus took off and Daedalus took off and they were right there in that sweet spot. But Icarus became infatuated with the ability to fly and he took off going higher and higher and higher. And we know what happened. The wax melted and he fell into the sea and he died. 
Icarus is normally told as a cautionary tale about going too high, taking too much risk, doing things a little too much, taking too much of a chance. But when I read the story of Icarus, I see it in a completely different way. To me, I'm not so much taken with the fact that Icarus fell. I'm intrigued by the fact that Icarus flew, that they tried. They could have just stayed on the top of that tower and not tried anything. Many of us sometimes, we <laughs> go through the motions. We're stuck on the top of that tower. But I love the fact that Icarus flew. And I believe that that's what we are called to do as people, as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to reach out to somebody new. We're called to invite somebody for the first time. We're invited to share a way that our faith has impacted our lives. We're called to expand our ministries. We're called to do things completely different. And again, this church is a great example of this work. But I come back again and I say, here, 18 months after COVID, here, as we're trying to figure out to get our kids back in school, to get back to some degree of normalcy, God is still calling for us to fly in this moment. Why? Because Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. And we as United Methodists, we say we, we want to make disciples for the transformation of the world. And my mentor, Zan Wesley Holmes Jr., he says we should not only make disciples uh, for the transformation of the world, we should make disciples for the transformation of the church and the transformation of the world. Why? Because we have to constantly be a transforming church to connect with the transforming world that is around us. And so I challenge you today to become dissatisfied with standing on top of the towers, to take that risk and to fly. I challenge you to live that great hymn that we love that said, here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? I've heard you calling in the night. Has God called you? God continues to call us. We all, as Christians, we believe in the United Methodist Church, we all have what's called a baptismal call. The pastors, we have, we have called to ordain ministry, but our, call, our baptismal call is the same call that you have. And so can we live out this call together, doing the work of transforming the world by continuing to follow the words that Christ gives to us. The words that Haggai shared with the Israelites. The words my dad shared with me. You can't stay here. Your best is yet to come. Let us pray. Dear God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here on such a significant day in the history of this great church. 
I pray, God, that you will continue to speak to the hearts of this congregation, encouraging them that when the setbacks happen, that it doesn't kill their spirit to continue to reach out in your name to, con to connect with and to impact the world around them. These words of Haggai help us to take them to heart and to continue to reach to your people, knowing that you want everyone to know that you know them by name and you love them individually and collectively. And so God, be with this church as it continues its ministry. It's in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we pray. Amen.